Welcome back to Cargumentative. I'm your host, as usual, Thomas Faulkner from the Sunday Times and Times Live Motoring. And uh, this week in the virtual studio, I'm again joined by Brenwin Naidu and uh, Dennis Dropper. Dennis, how are you doing? I'm great, thanks. How are you doing, Tom? Nice to be back on the, on the virtual line. Yeah, yeah, good to have you back. Um, all good on my side. No complaints, enjoying the... The slightly warmer weather, which is which is a uh, quite nice treat. Uh, Brenwin, how are you doing? Yes, uh, gentlemen, very well, thanks. And uh, also, like Dennis, happy to be back in the virtual studio. I was enjoying some uh, virtual snacks in the virtual waiting room before we started this, so uh, so I'm all good and uh, ready to go. No, fantastic. Well, uh, <laughs> you know. It's that time of the show where we discuss uh, news and current affairs. And uh, Dennis, um, what's been happening? Well, I think uh, this past weekend was exciting for motor racing enthusiasts and particularly South African motor racing enthusiasts because our own uh, Brad Binder made his debut in the Premier League of Motorcycle Racing, which is MotoGP. And by all accounts, he, he did very well. He had a little oops along the way, but uh, his pace certainly uh, is very promising. So um, he qualified 13th on the grid on his KTM. And then midway through the race, he had made his way up to eighth place and running at basically the very much the same pace as the leaders. Then he had his little whoops and he went off the circuit into the gravel and he rejoined stone last. But uh, then he slit his eyes and put his head down and he managed to he managed to make his way back up to 13th place and a point scoring position but the most promising part was that uh, his lap times were right there with the leaders so next weekend is the is the next round of the motor gp so it'll be very interesting to see how he does if he can uh, if he can keep it on the black stuff the whole race yeah for sure i mean um, i watched some of that motor gp it was Quite entertaining. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Binder seems to be on pace. Um, obviously, it's his first time out in, in MotoGP. So, I suppose the nerves just got him a little bit. Um, you know, and with this one behind his belt, um, yeah, he should he should hopefully do better um, in the next one. Uh, there was also Formula One, which was a bit, uh, I don't know, it was a bit dull. Kind of expected more. There was rain on the day and... Uh, I was hoping for more for more drama, but uh, in the end, Hamilton just cruised away to a, an easy victory. Um, good to see Max Verstappen up in up in second. Um, can't even remember who came third. Um, I think it was. It was uh, Valtteri Bottas in the other Mercedes. Uh, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, he fluffed his start a little bit, so he kind of fell out of contention for the victory right at the beginning. But as you yeah. say, it's. Uh, you know, the Formula One race followed directly after the MotoGP and it was a little bit dull in comparison because I think even if you're a Mercedes and a Hamilton fan, it becomes a little tedious to, to see the same people, <laughs> to see the same person on the top step of the podium year after year. Yeah, I know it is. I'm, I'm sort of getting tired of it, um, you know, and Mercedes is just such a dominant force at the moment uh, that they always have the best car, uh, the best crew. 
it's just um, yeah, I was hoping that uh, some of the other teams would be closer, like Red Bull and uh, Racing Point with the pink Mercedes. But uh, yeah, it hasn't hasn't really proved to be that way. But uh, maybe they'll catch up as the season progresses. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Brenwin, let's bring you into the conversation. Uh, yes. What's, what's new in in your corner of the woods? Well, thoroughbred uh, Italian performance band Maserati has jumped aboard the electric wave. Uh, and as the company intends to embrace battery power, a hybrid version of its Ghibli sedan marks its first attempt at plugging into the movement. But let me not mislead our listeners for the sake of a good pun, uh, because you should be aware that this model is not actually of the plug-in variety. Instead, Maserati describes it as a mild hybrid with a 48-volt alternator and an electric supercharger, working in tandem with its 2-liter, 4-cylinder turbocharged petrol engine. So you can expect a combined output of 246 kilowatts and 450 newton meters of torque, with a 0 to 100 sprint time of 5.7 seconds. And the band, interestingly, is adamant that it sounds like a Maserati should, thanks to an optimized exhaust with uh, special resonators. But maybe we should take that with uh, a pinch of Parmesan. Meanwhile, the new Gran Turismo and Grand Cabrio will be the uh, the first all-electric models from the brand, and those are expected in 2021. So it's quite a radical departure, but, um, I mean, this is where the future is headed, as we all know, and if that Porsche Taycan we all sampled recently is anything to go by, then count me in. Yeah. Interesting move there by Maserati. Uh, do you know if the car is coming out to South Africa anytime soon? That has not been confirmed uh, as yet. Okay, okay. Well, moving from Maserati to Porsche, uh, you guys all know I'm, I'm a bit of a fan. And they, last week, they launched their, um, their new uh, 911 Turbo. Uh, the Turbo S was launched a couple of months ago. So the regular Turbo is about 500,000 Rand less. Um, and really, it provides you know pretty much the same performance. Um, I mean, it's, it's marginally slower on top speed by about 10 Ks an hour. Um, so you're looking at about, um, uh, where did it go now? You know, this internet, I'll tell you what, um, it will, it'll hit. I believe it's 320 Thomas versus 330 for the Turbo S. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you're losing 10 Ks an hour on top speed. Um, and your 0 to 100 is 2.8 seconds versus a Turbo S, which is 2.7. So, you know, from a, from a um, straight-line performance point of view, you're not really sacrificing much. Um, you don't get some of the features that the, the Turbo S, you know, sort of enjoys. But for a 500,000 Rand saving, I don't know about you guys, but, uh, yeah, that's the one I'd get. That's certainly the Porsche for millionaires on a budget, isn't it? Yeah. It is. It is. <laughs> like people like yeah. us, Dennis. Yeah. <laughs> but Thomas, speaking Porsche, have you got your chance at the wheel of the taken yet? No, not yet. Not yet. I'm going tomorrow. Um, oh, okay. You know, um, I said, please, please can we move it out a little bit because I had to get a haircut before. Uh, you know, I had to be kind of somewhat presentable. Um, mm. You know, so... I've had a trim, and now I'm ready and raring to go. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to be driving that tomorrow and uh, expecting 
great things from it. I think you'll be uh, pleasantly surprised, Thomas. I think so too, Benwin. I think so too. I mean, I, you know, as I said before, uh, the Jaguar I-Pace really impressed me. So uh, I'm sure this this Porsche Taycan should be even better than that. Um, new segment winding to an end, guys. Is there anything else that we've missed out on? Is there anything else that's uh, seriously newsworthy that's worth a mention? But Thomas, I thought I'd mention the launch of the Land Rover Defender in South Africa. It's been talked about for such a long time, but now it's officially on sale locally at a starting price of just over a million rand for the baseline model. And then the top of the range model is just under 1.6 million rand. So we haven't had a chance as motoring journalists uh, to, to drive it yet, but hopefully our turn will come soon. But, uh, yeah, there's been a lot of talk about this vehicle, of course, with the uh, naysayers and the and the Land Rover fans. The naysayers obviously saying that, look, it's not a real Defender, that it just happens to have a vaguely boxy shape, whereas the, the fans are saying, look, it's, it's, it's still got that amazing off-road ability that the, that the original Defender had. So it'll be interesting to see how it does in the sales charts. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's um, it is it is quite a controversial car. Um, you know, it's it's probably not as rugged in the traditional sense as the previous model was. But um, you know, times have moved on. Uh, cars need to be built safer. They need to have more tech. They need to be more comfortable, uh, more usable across a, a broader spectrum of uh, terrains. Um, so I think from that point of view, the the new Defender certainly ticks all the boxes. And from what I've seen and read, uh, Dennis, it does seem to be very capable off-road. Um, I know that Kingsley Holgate, um, he's recently upgraded. He used to run Discoveries uh, for quite a few years. He's he's now gone back to the Defender, um, and he's got one of the new, the new Defender models that he's going to be putting through its paces. So... Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it how it does, and I like the fact that it, it's got these these accessory packs, you know, that you can bolt on and um, you can really make the car yours. Um, you've got um, a country pack, adventure pack, urban pack, explorer pack, and that's what I think consumers um, are after these days. They want a car that they can they can customize and personalize. Um, so that might prove to be um, you know, something that, that makes the car quite popular. So, yeah, we'll wait and see. I'm I'm keen to drive it. I know that uh, Land Rover SA was trying to organize a launch for us in Namibia, which would have been awesome. Uh, really good country for putting 4x4s through their paces. But obviously, thanks to COVID, it's just another thing that we, we won't be able to do this year. Um but, yeah, it would be nice to experience it in the off-road environment. A lot of the times we get these cars and, you know, we spend most of the time driving them through the city, uh, which seems a bit counterproductive. So, uh, yeah, hopefully when we do get them, we can we can take them off-road and see what they're like. Um, guys, that's pretty much it for news. Um, we've run out of time, so we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with you shortly. Join me, Nicole Engelbrecht, 
your host on True Crime South Africa, a weekly podcast that covers both solved and unsolved South African true crime cases. Welcome back to Cargumentative. It's that uh, time of the show where we hit our, our little feature segment. And uh, off air, Brenman was discussing uh, with Dennis and myself what car we would afford or could afford um, if we sacrifice something in our, in our daily lives that we love. So an example is Brenman used to be a, a massive chain smoker. Uh, <laughs> obviously inspired by some of the older members of the motoring journalist fraternity, um, you know, and uh, he recently gave that up. Um, well, actually, it was two years ago, and that just shows how, how fast time moves on. But, uh, yeah, so with the money Brenwin saving from not smoking, um, he could use that to purchase a car, um, you know, or something along those lines. Could be a, a motorbike, could be a car. I guess. So, um, what would that be, guys? Um, Brenwin, I suppose you suggested this topic, so let's let's kick it off with you. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks, Tom. I mean, so as you mentioned, my second year as a as a non-smoker, and um, I mean, like you said, I used to I used to smoke a lot. I mean, on average, I used to imbibe about a pack a day, and at that time, uh, twenty eighteen, there about I think it cost around forty five rand a pop. And so it worked out to roughly 1,395 rand a month, but that obviously excluded those bonus packs, you know, nights in the town, that kind of thing. So I rounded it off to 1,800 and throw in a few beers as well. So, wow. uh, so, for, so for that money, I went on to a leading classified site yesterday and I identified three uh, pre-owned purchases that I could now have thanks to such a saving. Say I put down a 10% deposit and score an 8% interest rate over 60 months. So I could have a 2012 Alfa Romeo meter, 89,000 Ks on the odometer, 89 grand, and that works out to 1,642 uh, rand per month. I could also have a smart 44. Uh, this is a car that you and I both really like. Mm. 76,000 Ks on the odometer, 99 grand, Slightly over budget at 1,806 Rand a month. Uh, or I could have a 2012 Honda Jazz, 80,000 Ks on the odometer, 92,000 Rand, 1,678 Rand per month. Uh, I'm probably in there going with the Jazz, you know, it's the most reliable of the lot. Um, and then I'd probably just swerve and go, go for that meter because really cute little car that. So yeah, but look, I mean, the point I'm trying to make is that if you Quit smoking, you can buy a nice, fairly reliable and well-priced hatchback. Yeah, that's 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 true. I mean, if you once you basically dissect your uh, your 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 spending, um, especially with something like cigarettes, it, it it kind of it surprises you how much you're actually spending. Um, I mean, even if you go to the shops, like a couple of bags of groceries, that's like. 800 bucks 900 bucks so if you do that once a week um that's basically a car payment um but so interesting choices there i mean the mito it's kind of like a car that you kind of forget about you know you don't really see a lot of them um i, I quite enjoyed driving them when they came out 
Um, smart car is also pretty cool. Um, but yeah, some some interesting um, some interesting picks there, Dennis. Um, you know, I know you into your into your cycling. Um, <laughs> cycling can be a, a a pretty expensive sport, and I'm sure there's always a lot of stuff that's uh, tempting you. You know, new uh, new handlebar grips and new brake pads, and you know, all kinds of um, fancy accessories. So, um, I mean, what would you uh, be looking at um, if you had to uh, forego spending on a on a hobby or you know a labor of love? Well, cycling certainly is quite a budget sucker, especially when you go further down the rabbit hole. So, ostensibly, I don't think it's a bad habit uh, because uh, more or less keeps you healthy and fit. But yeah, if you go further down the rabbit hole and have to have every accessory and Every new bike that comes onto the market, yeah, it does drain the budget somewhat. Now, look, we're fortunate as emerging journalists, obviously, that we don't necessarily have to have our own vehicles because we're always test driving someone else's latest and greatest machine. And personally, my uh, my ambition has always exceeded my budget. So uh, if money was no object, I would probably buy something like that aforementioned 911 Turbo and save a few hundred thousand rand and not get the S version, as we spoke about. Or possibly yeah. an Audi RS6 Avant, you know, which is a nice way to schlep the family and the Labradors and the mountain bikes, etc. But I'm not, I'm not really in the position where I have to buy a new car, as I said, fortunately. So that's why I went ahead and, and bought myself an odd classic. And if I had to buy any more cars, it would probably be in the classic league because they – because they're just so different to to the modern vehicles that we get to drive all the time, you know. And what I drive kind of uh, my own steam on my own budget, I would rather have like a completely different driving experience. But once again, my uh, my ambition does exceed my budget. And, and some of the classics that I would really like to have in my dream garage include the 1957 uh, Corvette. <laughs> um, and also an old Porsche 911. But, uh, yeah, look, I'm straying off the topic here, guys. I do agree with I do agree with uh, Brenwin on that Alfa Mito. Uh, some years back, I had one on a long-term test, and I quite enjoyed the vehicle, except for the slightly noisy front suspension. But uh, I think you can really get some bargains, particularly with uh, older Alfa Romeos or, or Fiat's or a couple of the French cars, um, like a perhaps like a Magan sedan and things like that. So, Brenwin, you, you look at the uh, used car websites quite often, and I think uh, you might agree with me that, that some of those brands, you can really pick up some great bargains there. Yeah, no, I absolutely uh, agree, Dennis. And, um, you know, I think the, the, the takeaway point maybe for our listeners today is that, guys, you don't have to go out and buy a Datsun Go if you want you know, a reliable, cost-effective motor. I mean, on the second-hand market, there are so many fantastic uh, purchases to to be had. And, you know, befriend a good mechanic, uh, invest in an aftermarket warranty, and, you know, it needn't, you, you needn't have one of those cliched bad lemon-of-a-car experiences, you know, if you just do your homework properly. Yeah, totally. I mean, I also agree with you. Um, 
if you're shopping in that sort of 80,000 to like 140,000 rand uh, category, you can get a lot of cool stuff. You know, I mean, you can get a couple of Alphas, uh, the Mito, Fiat, Fiat 500, some of the Renaults. Um, you know, you can have these cars that, that kind of have a little bit more um, kind of style and panache, um, you know, compared to a, a Datsun Go or a Renault Quid or something in that league. Um, and uh, yeah, and as Brenwin says, if you do your homework well, um, you know, you can, you can pick up something that's, that's not going to give you too much trouble down the line. And it's, uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot nicer to look at parked outside in your carport, um, you know, um, over the time that you, that you own the car. Um, We've still got some time left, guys. So let's segue. This is another suggestion by Brenwin. He's just full of them at the moment. Um, bad habits, bad bad car habits, bad motoring habits. Um, do we have any, uh, Dennis? Uh, possibly one is that I tend to start the car and and immediately start driving it, and then before I've even uh, buckled up. So. What happens then invariably is that as soon as the car starts moving and I try and buckle up, the, the seatbelt kind of locks and I'm unable to do so. But I've been unable to kind of train myself to buckling up before I actually start the car and start it moving. Huh. Okay. That's an interesting one. Yeah. Um, mm. I must say from, from, from my side, it's, it's not really a behaviorable, 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 behaviorable. <laughs> <laughs> God, I'm all tongue twisted today. It's terrible. Behaviorable. Sorry. Behaviorable. I think that's right. Anyway, <laughs> moving along. Um, yeah, I've got this habit where you know I'll get a car and I'm just I'm a sucker for preventative maintenance. So I spend my time looking for problems that aren't there, and I spend my time spending money on replacing parts that are still working, but I have this fear of them failing. So I'm constantly on this like preventative maintenance thing. So, you know, it's, it's kind of like this OCD neurosis and I just can't seem to shake it. Um, it's expensive. Uh, it makes a lot of my friends think I'm mad. Um, it frustrates them, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's one of my, my sort of automotive bad habits. Um, Brenwin. Uh, well, I think, People who, who, who ride in a car with me, um, my passengers, would say that I'm a bit too liberal with the, the car's heater. Uh, I get really cold feet and legs, so first thing I do when I get into a test car is direct the, the airflow to the footwell region and turn the temp up to like a nice, comfortable, maybe 27 or, or 28, which is usually the max. And then, you know, just the fan speed will be on too, and it'll just chill like that. Maybe I shouldn't use the word chill, but yeah, it's good to have <laughs> warm legs and feet, you know. And I think for me, my favorite uh, favorite climate control system has got to be the, the BMs, um, although you can have this on many luxury cars, is where you can have, like, say, the passenger airflow will, will be sort of directed to your face. The driver's footwell region will be warm, so you've got a, a, a room temperature, torso and face, and a hot pair of legs. And that's what you want. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah. 
You need a you need a hot pair of legs in a car, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do, you do. No, because I mean, you need the blood yeah. to be there, you know, so that you, your feet can react quickly. Exactly, exactly. You know? And uh, I mean, would you also have the heated seats on as well if the car had heated seats? Absolutely. Um, my colleague, my former colleague Bruce Fraser, who uh, who who left the company some time ago, uh, always used to curse me because one time I, I, he got into a Volvo uh, S60, I think, and I left the heated seats on, and they don't switch off automatically. So middle of summer, heated seats were on. He had no idea how to switch them off, <laughs> and uh, and yeah, I guess he suffered through a sweaty back. I love that trick, actually. You know, like a lot of times <laughs> I'll get a, a test car, it's got heated seats, and I'll have a passenger up in the front. Um, and then I'll just like switch on their heated seat and see how long it takes before they start, sh- you know, shuffling around uncomfortably. I love That's a well known car of the year test days uh, prank. Huh? But, yeah. <laughs> But if we got a if we got a moment, uh, I just want to segue since we're talking about heated seats mm-hmm. into the launch of this new Triumph Tiger 900 motorcycle. Um, I rode it uh, last week, and we we departed from Triumph Center headquarters early in the morning, early in the chilly Gauteng winter morning, and the motorcycle has heated hand grips and a heated seat. So I can tell you that in that temperature, those two features came in very very handy. Yeah, that must make a world of difference. I mean, you know, I've I've only had a few bikes on test, and um, both of them were were during the winter months, and and your hands get freezing, your feet get freezing, uh, your undercarriage also gets uh, pretty chilly. So that must be a, a game changer. Definitely. Uh, after riding that uh, on a chilly winter morning, I, I don't think I want a motorcycle without those features in future. Yeah, no, I mean, I can, I can agree with you on that, Dennis. And uh, I mean, also with cars, you know, it's, it's, um, I really enjoy having heated seats and I also enjoy having heated steering wheels. I mean, I, I kind of suffer from poor circulation in my hands. Um, just another one of the many flaws that my body has. Um, and, you know, a heated wheel on a cold day is, is just, it's absolute bliss. Um, guys, I think um, I think that's pretty much it for the features segment. Unless anybody else has anything to to uh, chip in on with. That's all from my side, Tom. All on your side. Cool. Well, no, nothing from me either. Nothing from me well, either. Tom. All good. Well, thank you for your suggestions. They were they were they were amusing. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. I, I tend to amuse. That <laughs> <laughs> you do. No. Good. Good chat, James. Yeah, cool. Guys, we're going to have a quick break. And uh, when we return, we're going to be talking about what you've been driving. Would I buy a hover? <laughs> but you see, like, you can't beat the diesel. Though. I'll take the petrol over the diesel any day. <laughs> Tune in to Cargumentative every Monday morning on Times Live Motoring. You can join myself, Thomas Faulkner, and my regular gang of automotive misfits as we discuss motoring news, views, and of course, have a cargument or two. 
That's Cargumentative, only on Times Live Motoring. Welcome back to Cargumentative. It's that time of the show where we chat about what we've been driving and um, give you guys a, a hint of what we'll be driving in, in the very near future. So uh, let's kick things off with Dennis. Yeah, Thomas, I've uh, just returned a BMW 8 Series Grand Coupe uh, to its owners. And uh, I had the chance to drive that over the weekend and a couple of days extra. And uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, this Grand Coupe is the four-door version of the 8 Series Coupe, which is a two-door. So you know, this has the practicality to go with the looks. Now, it looks obviously a very subjective thing, but I think that the 8 Series is one of BMW's best-looking cars. It is possibly a little bit busy in some of the details, but the basic proportions and silhouette, I think, just hits the sweet spot. And I, I drove the 840i version, which is, uh, despite what the badge says, it's not a four-liter, but it's a three-liter six-cylinder petrol turbo. And while it's not as uh, earth-spinningly fast as some of the uh, M models, it's certainly not, not left wanting in the power department. I find it, uh, it sounds great. It, uh, it's fast enough. And it's plenty practical. I uh, I managed to squeeze my uh, bicycle in the boot when I went to my uh, local cycling venue. So from that point of view, it's great. So all, all round enjoyable experience. And uh, Dennis, I mean, I take it that this car is obviously uh, going up against uh, rivals like the Porsche Panamera. Um, how does it compare to that? Um. Personally, I prefer the styling of the BMW, but okay. that Panamera is really a terrific car and, and it doesn't really do anything wrong with the possible mm. exception of its uh, haptic feedback controls, which we could probably spend another 10 minutes talking about, but maybe we can leave that for another show. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's going to come down to brand preference, to, uh, which one you want. I, I can't really sit here and tell you, okay, that's this one is definitely the better buy for X, Y, Z reason. You know, it, it's going to come mm. down to a brand and styling preference. Okay. And um, what else have you got lined up in the pipeline? Anything interesting coming in? Well, at the, we've gone from one uh, extreme to another. The, the recently facelifted Suzuki Ignis has just arrived with us for testing. Okay. Now, that's a very likable little car in the in the budget car segment. I've, I've always thought that it's got a, a great vibe about it. It's enjoyable to drive. There's almost no power, but it's just one of those nice commuters. It's It's got a nice interior vibe, and uh, I just think it's quite funky. You know? So if I was shopping in that segment of the market, it's definitely one of those vehicles I would consider for myself. I agree with you. Um, when I first drove it, when it came out, um, I was very impressed. Uh, you know, I'd driven, obviously, the Volkswagen app and uh, the Kia Picanto, and I thought that uh, the Ignis was, was a, a really strong contender um, in that sort of class of vehicle. And uh, quite practical, too. I mean, you've got a slightly, you know, 
taller ride height, which helps, and uh, it's easy to pack things in and out of it. Um, good interior packaging. So yeah, I'm I'm keen to hear what you think of the new facelifted version. Hopefully, you can tell us a little bit more about it uh, on the next show. Uh, Going to move on to Brenwin now. Brenwin, what have you been um, piloting? Yes, well, I've I've just given back the uh, Suzuki Espresso uh, staying within the Suzuki brand and. You know, I mean, this is a car we've spoken about a few times now on uh, on Cargumentative, so I won't labor on about it, but I can say that uh, it's really a lot better than I expected. Um, and certainly, at, uh, after first impressions, a lot nicer than its chief rivals, the uh, the Go, the Datsun Go and the Renault Quip. Uh, of course, we're still waiting, though, for those crash test uh, results, so let's see what happens there. But what I'm really looking forward to uh, in, in coming weeks is getting a turn behind the Ford Mustang Bullet, um, which, of course, as everyone knows, commemorates the association with the iconic Steve McQueen form of the same title. Uh, and while I may not have access to the hills of San Francisco, I'm still really looking forward to driving it up and down the, uh, the elevations of Hillbrow, near our offices. Um, and as you guys know, I've got plenty of, uh, turtleneck sweaters in my cupboard, so those, those will be coming out. Those will be coming out. <laughs> I can't believe so, that car is still in, inside the test fleet because uh, <laughs> I need to get my hands on that car as well because I actually haven't driven it. Yeah, me neither. Well, well, what happened was, it was, I believe it was, when I was supposed to get it, it had been damaged or something. Um, and so, yeah, the fleet manager reached out and said, well, we've got these, these cars, do you want to turn? So I've got to have it for like three or four days coming up. That's very cool. I must also organize a, a drive in that. Yeah, no, you, you definitely should. And um, how's your long-term polo? Yeah, the long-term polo, um, I mean, the last big outing for it was uh, to Geotech, of course, when group editor Dennis Tropper showed me the ropes on uh, on the V-Box um, process, and it was Quite quick, actually, six point six odd seconds, I, I think. So, and they claimed six point seven seconds. Um, so, really good job there from Polo. I'm happy now that the squeaks have been sorted out. As I mentioned in the last update, it was just the, the loose uh, spare wheel loose in its housing, rubbing against the rubber, sorry, polystyrene um, mold there. Um, and yeah, like you know, I'm I'm really really enjoying the car. It's a good, comfortable commuter, and of course, you know, it's got. 147 kilowatts and 320 meters when you when you need to be a little more uh, brisk in your commuting activity. Mm. So yeah, so far so good. Update five will be next month in August, and I, I intend to go go deep into the car's infotainment capabilities because it's got like really an overwhelming number of various uh, dials and gauges that you can flick through, and it's pretty impressive for a Polo. Mm. Yeah, well, looking forward to that update when it uh, when it does come out. It will be up on uh, Times Live Motoring, so you guys can all check it out there. Um, from my side, I had a brief drive in a Mercedes CLA, um, which was it was good, but kind of forgettable. I don't know, didn't didn't really do much for me. Um, and then lined up next week, I've got uh, I've got the M two three five. Uh, Grand Coupe, Brenwin's favorite. And uh, <laughs> after that, I've got a Will and a BMW X4M. 
competition. Uh, well, that, that should be quite brisk. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's been a while since I've had a car with you know over 200 kilowatts. So I'm quite looking forward to that. Um, yeah, guys, I think that's it. P Producer Paige is waving her hands furiously at me on uh, Microsoft Teams, whatever this uh, new app is called that we're using today. <laughs> so, um, yeah, guys, thanks again for, for, for joining me. It's a pleasure, Thomas. Brandon. Yeah. Thanks Thank you so much, guys. Huge Always fun. good to Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, good to have you in the virtual studio. And uh, to you guys out there, thanks for, for tuning tuning in again. And um, we'll catch you next weekend for another episode of Car Argumentative. So until then, keep it safe out there.